Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Find in your Bibles, uh, Jeremiah 35. We'll read that in just a moment. Been doing a series uh, on healing America. It is God's plan, God's will to use this nation like a city on a hill, but in recent years, in recent decades, we have fallen far from what I believe to be the intention of our founding fathers. And there are in this country what I would call non-negotiables. And we have the Declaration of Independence and the Amendment, the First Amendment. It's non-negotiable. The right to bear arms, the right to peaceably gather, practice our religion. They're non-negotiables. It's not up for negotiation, much to the dismay of others. Now, if I end up getting a little political this morning, welcome to Kings, because I don't I, I I go for it. So and, and the reason I do it, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I'm certainly trying to offend stupidity and trying to help, and I preach, preach the word unapologetically with as much love as I can sprinkle up on that thing. And if I get myself in trouble, Pastor Karen is here to bail me out. <laughs> Pastor Karen helps me in so many ways. When I was a kid, we had a mini bike. Did anybody ever, this before, like, I didn't have a motorcycle first. I had a mini bike. Anybody ever a mini bike? I saw one for sale at... Was it Costco or something? I don't know. But they, I saw that one only had a six horsepower. I had a 10 horsepower mini bike. And it had this little converter sprocket thing. And it was made by this next door neighbor. I had a go-kart too. Anybody ever have a go-kart? You know, it was all fabricated by in the backyard with somebody in a welder and all that. And, uh, and those motors had on them what's called a governor. Now... If you could figure out how to get the governor off, then you had something to ride. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And uh, anyway, I remember riding that thing, and the piston shot right through, right up through my legs and almost killed me. Hallelujah. The governor was not good. Those governors are on there for a purpose. Anyway, Pastor Karen is a governor to help us all out so we don't throw a piston. Come on, somebody say Hallelujah. <laughs> if you don't understand that, that's okay. Healing America. Everybody say it. Healing America. A whole series of messages that we've been preaching, and perhaps we'll get them into book form, because I do believe that there are powerful words that would need to be preached and declared all over the land. And uh, we talked about the Antichrist spirit not long ago, and we, we talked about restoring the foundations, which I'll inevitably touch on during this service. I want to talk to you about non-negotiables. Non-negotiables. In other words, it cannot be negotiated. Certain set decisions that we have in America that I think are non-negotiable, they, they actually make us who we are. And I have, and I, I would imagine you do, at least I, I hope you do, have certain non-negotiables in your life. Have you ever heard of Chick-fil-A? We, we looked into... Uh, being possibly a part of a Chick-fil-A that would come up here to uh, Alaska. And um, 
you guys don't love Yardbird nearly as much as the first service. They started cheering. People stood up and started interceding at the 9 o'clock. Yes, God! God! Chicken! Maybe you've never had one of those delectable sandwiches. Uh, upon further inspection, we found out that you can't actually run a Chick-fil-A if you do anything else. So that's a non-negotiable. You can't, you, can't, uh, you can't do a Chick-fil-A and some other business. You can't, you can't run your side business or be a, a contractor and have a Chick-fil-A. You can only be a Chick-fil-A owner. That's the only thing you can do. Kind of amazing. So I wasn't going to give up pastoring to be a Chick-fil-A owner, even though, even though they are quite similar, actually, in many ways. A non-negotiable for Chick-fil-A. Anybody know what it is? They're not open on Sunday, ever. They're never opening on Sunday. They are not open on Sunday. And people have said, well, that's not very smart. Do you know how many Christians would come and eat your chickens if you were open on Sunday? They were not opening on Sunday. Because a non-negotiable for them, it's not going to be debated. It can't be talked about. It's a set decision. We're not opening on Sunday. And they, they believe that Sunday is the Sabbath, and it's a Christian company, and they support all of their team members, all of the, the family of the Chick-fil-A, to go and enjoy their families on Sunday. They don't make them go to church or anything, and I'm not ascribing to everything that they say. I don't even know everything that they say, but I do know that. I know they make great chicken, great sweet tea, and they're not open on Sunday. Hobby Lobby is another one that's not open on Sunday. You know, recently I had the opportunity of lecturing, I think is what it's called, at a secular business uh, seminar. And I was asked to come in, and I was honored by that. I've never done that before. I was asked to come in, and they said, uh, somebody that come, comes to our church, and they said, you know, just, just do what you do when you preach. I thought, are you serious? <laughs> and they said, yeah, just do that. I'm like, really? I felt like they didn't really mean that. So I... So he said, you know, just, you know, be funny, and, and, and I want you to do ethics. And I want you to, I want you, we're going to call it crazy, fearless ethics. And I thought, okay. So I felt like the Lord would have me say yes, and I wrestled with that. And eventually I had the opportunity of sharing, and it was during the COVID-19, and so it was streamed, and there was a few people in a studio, basically, and then it was all streamed with paid attendees, uh, uh, corporations, CEOs, and business owners, and I got to do the final session on ethics. Ethics. He said, well, what does that have to do with business? Oh, it has a lot to do with business, because if you don't have ethics, you won't have a business after long. Have you ever heard of Enron? Okay. How many of you remember the, the scandal with Volkswagen? What'd they call that? Uh, emissions gate. They dodged all these laws to save money and make more, and they got busted. They got caught. They had an ethics problem. How about Tylenol? What comes to mind when you think of Tylenol? If you're my age, you remember when Tylenol had a problem, and they pulled everything off of the market, fixed a problem. I don't have a problem taking Tylenol now, but we had a problem for a little while. You weren't sure you're going to get killed. But they had ethics to bring that all in and fix the problem. Ethics, what's right, what's wrong, non-negotiables. 
Convictions is another way to say it, if we could use a Christian terminology, conviction. Are you a man of conviction? Are you a woman of conviction? Are you a person of conviction? Do you have no, do you have non-negotiables? In other words, we're not talking about this because it's set up already. In thinking and preparing this, I thought about blue laws. You remember blue laws? That's when everything was closed on Sunday. That was a non-negotiable. Of course, apparently somebody started negotiating because now just about everything's open on Sunday. They're deal breakers. They're, they're deal breakers. For me, when I was, uh, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a Catholic sort of a home. Not to say that's not Christian, but kind of depends on what Catholic church you go to. If you start worshiping Mary, you've definitely bounced out to idolatry. Anyway, <laughs> when I was born again, I knew I had to go to church. And I was running with people that went to church. That that's good. And as a new Christian, I, there was some guys that I really respected, and they told me, "Yeah, you go to church every. You got to go to church on Sunday, and you go Sunday night. And when you come back after Sunday morning, you eat, and then you nap, and you get up and you go Sunday night. That's what Christians do. So honestly, I was trained like that's what you do. Like you go to church on Sunday, you come home, you eat a big meal, and you you break that. It's the one." One thing that us Christians just do, we're gluttons. Just overeat, go to sleep. Amen. And uh, oh, n- not here, of course. You guys never overeat. Not addicted to sugar or caffeine. Amen. Anyway, we go back to church. That's just what we did. So when I started looking for work, that was like we weren't talking about that. So like, okay, well, uh, here's the schedule. I would see Sunday on it. And I go, oh, I can't. I don't work Sunday. And they go, well, that, that's what I said. Well, then I can't work for you. Oh, why? I said, I go to church on Sunday. Oh, well, no, you got to go Sunday. Oh, okay. Well, hey, thanks. And that was an indication to me that that wasn't my job. I didn't have it. There was, in fact, it was Sunday and it was the midweek and it was also Thursday night when we did life group. Would not work at any job that held me back from coming to church on Sunday and held me back from coming to church on Wednesday and would not come to, and, or anything that, in, that hindered because my commitment was to, was to serve God, and I needed all of those things, and I knew that God had been calling me into the ministry the more I began to step towards that. So there's un, non-negotiables. I had to do a life group. I did it. I had to go to church. i like, that's it. We're not discussing that. So if I couldn't get a job that fit that parameter, then that would be an indication from the Holy Spirit that that's not my job. Do you know what happened? God promoted me, blessed me, elevated me everywhere I went. And it's not, and it, yeah, come on, it's, it, it, it's not because I'm bald. It's just because I had non-negotiables. Listen, non-negotiables based on God's word will release elevation. Say that. Non-negotiables based on God's word releases elevation. Well, let's, let's get into our text. You can stand up now. Jeremiah 35, and let's see if I can't get through these names in here. Intercessors interceding. Jeremiah 35, verse 1. When the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, you there? New King James Version. When the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiachin, the son of Jehoash, the king of Judah, said, go to the house of the Rechabites, speak to them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Move in power. Amen. You may be seated. So let me 
we'll, we'll look at different parts of this. We'll go through verse 19. But Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, is a uh, prophet declaring the judgment of God. And Habakkuk is a contemporary of his. God speaks to him in this text and says, go to, to the Rechabites. Now, those were people who had been adopted into Israel, if you will. And you can read about them in Kings, and you can read about them in Chronicles. You, you can read about them. And they are invited. They were nobads. And if you read the text, you would see that they had a father, one of their fathers, 250 years earlier, said, don't drink wine, don't live in tents, be a nomadic people, don't sow seed, don't have field, be a nomad. So he'd given this command to them. And so when God speaks to Jeremiah, go get the Rechabites and bring them in, bring them into the temple and serve them wine, he does that and they say, we don't drink wine. And Jeremiah's like, what? He said, yeah, no, our father said, don't drink wine, don't live in houses. And we're going to follow through with that. We have a non-negotiable. We have a conviction. Our, our culture based on their father 250 years earlier. And they've obeyed it. That's an it's an interesting passage on studying culture and how things come about. And so they, they deny the wine and, and they, they tell Jeremiah, look at verse 8, we've obeyed the voice of Jonadab, that's their father of 250 years ago, the son of Rechabite, our father, who charged us not to drink wine all the days, our wives, so on and so forth. Look a little bit further down, verse 9, verse 10. We've obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. And go down to verse 12. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Listen to this scathing rebuke. Go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive instruction to obey my words? Says the Lord. The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, which he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed. In other words, they obeyed them. For to this day, they drink none and observe the Father's commandments. But although I have spoken to you, rising early and speaking to you, you did not obey me. I've also sent to you my servants, the prophets, rising up early. I mean, what a rebuke. He's telling him, look at these people. They have non-negotiables. Look at, look at this group of people. They're people of conviction. And they will not drink wine based upon 250 years ago. But look at you, he says. I sent you prophets. I speak to you early in the morning. And, and I mean, it's like, and you kill them. And you never listen to me. What a rebuke. America needs a people who will rise and stand upon the bedrock of his word and live non-negotiable lives. You say, well, I, I live a life like that. Do you? I'm glad if you do. Could you stand behind your values if it meant losing millions of dollars? 
What would be the point at which you cave, sir? Ma'am, what would be the point at which you then... Lord knows my heart. Give me the money, I'll do it. What would be that point? Oh, I have no point. Are you sure? I mean, if you really search your heart, what is the point at which you would cave in, not serve God or bow the knee? Unusual passage, which I preached from in 2017. A little bit different, but the same text. It's an unusual text. These Rechabites were people who had strong convictions, not even based on God's word, based on the word of their, of their father. Wow. I have a conviction not to drink alcohol. I, I don't know what your convictions are about that. I don't think drinking alcohol will take you to hell. If you're getting drunk, that will. So for me, we've made a purpose, we've purposed in our hearts so many years ago. Uh, first of all, well, I'll just go with the conviction I have with the Lord first. I have a conviction that, that I'm, he, never, he doesn't drink from the wine until, from the vine until he's gonna, I think we'll drink it in the, new, in the new kingdom with him. So when he serves me, I'll guess I'll be having a glass. But and up until when he serves me, if he's not drinking it, neither am I. And, uh, and just given the background, uh, even generationally, uh, you know, on my mother's side, come from long line of preachers, and on my father's side, there's lawyers and people in the law, and then I think a long line of pub drinkers are Irish. they got to have some pub drinkers back there somewhere. And I don't want to put myself in a possibility of getting into bondage, so I don't ever drink, ever. I never drink. So, so it's not even a question. So when we go, we, we love going out to eat. Does anybody else like going out? Anybody else like going out? Okay, so we go out to eat. Now, please, I'm not talking to you specifically. You have your own conviction. This is mine. This is a non-negotiable for me. So I'm not saying it's a non-negotiable biblically for you is don't get drunk. If you're getting drunk, I don't care what you think right you have. That's totally breaking God's word. So when we go out to dinner, the first thing, the very first thing we do, I was thinking about this and praying. I was literally, we come to the table, we sit down, depending upon what restaurant it is, the wine list comes out or the wine list is sitting there or they serve us with two menus or three menus or four menus or however many people with and then they hand me the wine list and I usually say, no, thank you and they take it away. It's not even like, oh, I wonder if they have that Chardonnay. There's not a thought process of where I'm going. That, that, listen, I'm just talking about a non-negotiable for me. We sat down at, um, I don't know, Texas Roadhouse. First thing I do is as I sit down, as I fold up the drink menu and I slide to the side, and actually I've usually put it off the table. And it's not a thought process. I'm just doing it. Why are you afraid of the spirit of the daiquiri? I'm not, but I've made a conviction. I'm under the conviction it's a non-negotiable for me. There's other non-negotiables I have. How about you? Do you have any other non-negotiables? When we got married, something we said is a non-negotiable is that we don't ever use the word divorce. The word divorce is not in our language as far as it goes between us. I made my vows. You made your vows. We meant them when we made them. And so we divorce is, that's it. Is that you just want a divorce? That never happens. Why? Because we have non-negotiables. There's no divorce. Brackens don't get divorced. That's my last name, if you're wondering. Bracken, Bracken, that's my, they used to, but they don't anymore. I broke that curse, and it's not coming on my kids. Where's Hannah? Raise your hands, Hannah. 
Hannah's in here somewhere. Daniel, you're not getting divorced. Amen. I'm going to help you pick your, pick your spouse. You're going to serve God. Amen. I'll pick your husband for you, Hannah. Don't worry. Just like I've been telling you since you're in your mother's womb. I know exactly how it's going to happen. I know how it's going to happen. He's going to knock on the door. I'm going to open the door. I'm going to give a message in tongues. He'll have the same interpretation that I have, and then I'll know. I told Hannah that from the time she was in her mother's womb because I know how important a decision that is. Daddy's going to pick your husband. Daddy and mommy are going to pick your husband. Yeah. And then she, then she came out. I told her. And she grew up. I told her. And then it was somewhere around 12 or so. I, I used to say, who's going to pick your husband? I would show off in front of others. Who's going to pick? And she'd go, you are daddy. Oh, that's right. Then as she was around 12, she's like, Me? And you, you can help. And I think that's where it stands. Is that right? Say amen, Hannah. <laughs> Non-negotiables. Are you a person of conviction? Are you a person where you can't be? What is your sellout price? I am not for sale, are you? Society has all kinds of psychological babble out there and uh, basically justification for people's sin behavior. I have come to this conclusion that uh, whether you were breastfed or bottle-fed, you still have a choice. So you can try to blame the fact that you were bottle-fed or blame the fact that you were breastfed or blame the fact that you were dropped on your head. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. I grieve over the fact of sin and people being wounded and even abuse. But every single person can overcome because of what Jesus has done. Because he died on a cross, he rose again from the grave. You can have a new life. You can be a new creation. You don't have to be bound. You don't have to be addicted. You don't have to be afflicted. You don't have to be subject to the trauma that you went through in your home. And I grieve over that. But you can be healed. And when you stand before the Son of Man on that day, you will not be able to give an excuse for why you were a jerk. Why you were an alcoholic. Why you were addicted to pornography. Tap your neighbor and say, he's not talking to me. Is he talking to you? Go ahead, tap your neighbor. Go ahead. And you can rearrange the furniture of your life all you want to and put all kinds of labels and excuses, but in the end, you still have to live in it. I'm just telling you, you can be free. Let's look at this text, Jeremiah, back, prophet to a backslidden, to a backslidden nation facing judgment. God gives Jeremiah a word and says, "Go get the Rechabites. Tell them to drink wine." They refused because their father, 250 years earlier, said, "Don't do it." Jeremiah gives them a message, gives a message to the people of Judah, using this as an illustrated sermon, saying, "My God." The Rechabites obey their father 250 years ago. You can't even obey the eternal father. What's wrong with you? And he rebukes them by the word of the Lord. They obeyed a fallible, dead leader, and you don't obey the living God. And the results of their not obeying was going to be, a, was going to be judgment, but it was reward. It was what? It was reward for the Rechabites. Verse 18. B. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty says. 
Jonadab, the son of Rechab, will never fail to have a man serve me. It's his promise, his family promise. You know, generational blessings are real. I'm living in them. I, I, I am clearly aware of a stream of blessing that I'm caught up in that has little to do with me actually creating it, but it's a river of blessing that flows from a generation, generations before that have served God. There's, there's something about that, and I can prove it. I've preached it in other generations, and I'm going to continue to serve. I had to do my part. I had to enter in. I had to get born again. I had to get saved. And now my kids are raised in my home, and we did our level best. God knows we had all kinds of shortcomings. Hey, no laughing over there. And now they're going to have to choose to serve God or go to heaven early at the hand of their mother. Let's have a praise break. Hey. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. Pastor Kirsten told me to say that. Conviction or non-negotiables are shaped by constant, listen closely now, are to be for the Christian, shaped by constant choice choices to obey the Ten Commandments. Convictions come in your life when through constant, ongoing, continual choices to obey the Ten Commandments and, I would add then, embrace a life of Christ are formed in your life. The convictions I now have were not the convictions I had when I first was saved. When I first was saved, I understood what God's word says, and then I was endeavoring to obey it. Now, there's things that happen automatically because I've been doing them so long, it's not even a question. It's not even a temptation. It's no temptation to drink. We've done, we've dealt with that. It's, it's, it, that's not happening because I already made that decision. So, so I, and I thought back about, you know, eating at the steakhouse just recently. It's almost time for lunch. I think my stomach just said, hmm. let's close in prayer. Amen? I fold, up the, I fold up the drink menu. I push it aside, and sometimes I put it on another table. I put it out of view. I, it's, I, it's not something. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's a, it's a habit. It's, a, it's something that is not discussed. We're not discussing whether we're going to have, should we drink? Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, okay, no. No, it's no. Ten Commandments. You know, we, we, we preached recently about restoring the foundations. And um, the basis of your convictions need to come from this right here. These are the Ten Commandments. Everybody say it. The, the Ten Commandments. Okay. They're not the Ten Suggestions. They're the Ten. And these are the cornerstone of our laws in Judeo-Christian Western culture. I had them printed up on cute little parchment-looking paper so that you would take it home. Now, I tried to make it more attractive for you because some of you don't have these up in your house. Worse yet, they're not up in your heart. You need to teach kids this. You know, uh, one of the things we teach, and we have a, a parenting toolbox, and there's all kinds of programs we have to help you raise godly children because I didn't know how to do it. And God knows I gave my mother and father a run for their money you know, with my rebellion a long time ago. And I needed to learn how to be a good husband, needed to learn how to be a good father, and I learned all of that in this church. I got saved in this church, not this location, but this church, you know, many years ago. 
We've printed these so that you would put a moral warehouse into your children, into your own heart. Moral warehouse. Morality is based on the Ten Commandments. You could look at the Sermon on the Mount, too, Matthew 5, 6. Hey, Jenny. And Amy, welcome home. Amy was a part of our church way back 100 million years ago. Well, anyway, welcome home. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Come on, how many of you know these? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make it unto thee a graven image. And I, I shared a funny story, and people like that, so I'll share it again. I was in church many years ago before I was a pastor, but I, I was a, a life group leader, and I was talking to this guy who were trying to get into our life group or get involved, constantly trying to get people plugged into the life of the church because that's where the blessing is. Not just going to church, but actually becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Right. So encouraging him, and he says, no, you guys are a bunch of idol worshipers. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, you're idol worshipers, all you guys. You have a wallet? Now, this is before the phone, before the, 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 the iPhone and the pictures on your phone. He says, I'll prove it to you right now. You're breaking the Ten Commandments right now. I said, oh, uh, okay. I said, I, I might be, but thank God for a Savior. How many of you know, how many of you know, do you still need to obey these? It's like the same people that raised their hands before just gave me a little wave because they weren't quite sure either. The truth, this shows you what's right, shows you what's wrong, and it shows you that you can't fulfill them all, and that's why you need a Savior more than a, more than a rule book. I mean, you need a rule book, but you need a Savior. Right. So do you need to obey the Ten Commandments? Yes. Can you? But you can try, and you can do your very best. Should you? Yes. All right. So you shall not make unto thee any graven image. And he quotes this to me and says, go ahead, pull your wallet out. I pull my wallet out. He says, you're married, right? I'm like, yeah. He says, do you have a picture? I said, do I have a picture? I pulled it out. I said, look at this. When we got married. He says, graven image, graven image, graven image. You have a graven image, a picture. You're an idol worshiper. You're all idol worshipers. Oh, man, you got demons. That's what you got. <laughs> graven image because you have a photograph in your wallet. Well, let's look at number three. I shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Some of you did that this morning. I said, some of you did that this morning. <laughs> Hannah's like, I didn't. <laughs> I'm so glad, Hannah, because that'd be breaking the third commandment. Number four, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That, that's what Chick-fil-A does. They, they endeavor to, they have, a, they have a, the non-negotiable, we're not opening on Saturday because they call that the Sabbath. You say, well, when I went to Seventh-day Adventist Church, they said, okay, I understand that. I've proven it before. The reason we worship on Sunday is because that's the day that Jesus rose again from the grave. The, the Sabbath from a Hebrew mindset and for the early Christians prior, I should not say it that way, Hebrew mindset and for the followers of Christ before the resurrection, before the resurrection, was Friday night sundown to, Sunday, to Saturday sundown. It's called the Shabbat. Shabbat. Okay, so when Jesus rose again from the grave, they changed the day of worship for Christians to be Sunday, and I've proven it, and I'll do it again some other time. But there needs to be a day of rest, a Sabbath rest. Is this your Sabbath rest on Sunday? Heck no. We work our brains out on Sunday, and we're glad to do it and so honored. Get to actually get to go to church. I get to teach and preach to you. Oh, I can't wait till tonight. All oh, the rest, it's wonderful. We get to do it. We get to. 
But this is not my family rest. This is not it. It's usually Monday. If you don't have a Sabbath rest, you better find one because they've found that if you don't, you'll be violating biblical kingdom principles and it'll wear you out. And it's not good for your marriage and it's not good for your kids. You try to make more money. Did you know that there have been surveys done with people that violate the Sabbath rest? They try to make more money on, that, on, the, on a day, you know, work seven days a week, and they actually make less. And they have more health problems. You can read some of those. Remember, the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Honor thy father and mother. This, these are the basis for non-negotiables. This is what needs to be restored in America. Yes. Honor they father and mother. How do you do that when they were abusers, when they abandoned you, when they abused you? Well, the best way I know to honor your father and mother is forgive them. And you need to have boundaries sometimes. Sometimes people need boundaries. Fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters. Sometimes it needs to be a mountain range that's between you and them. Is there anything wrong with that? Not a thing. If they're abusive, I'm not playing that game. I don't, I, I don't let abusive people into my life. Amen. I have, I have a non-negotiable. I'm a, I'm a prince in the kingdom. I'm a king in the kingdom. So I understand that people aren't going to treat me with honor everywhere I go, but you're not going to get close to me treating me like that. I'll minister to you. I love you at, at arm's distance. You could take a swing, but you'll be missing. Hey. Some of, you, some of you get real close to people that punch you in the throat on a regular basis. I mean, you probably need your head examined. Let's move on. Honor your father and mother. Everybody say honor your father and mother. Okay. Okay, six, thou shalt not kill. All right, that doesn't mean there's no hunting. I heard somebody tell me, you can't have any, can't kill any animals because it says that the Ten Commandments is no killing. It's no murdering is what it's talking about. All right, so feel free to shoot a moose and eat it. Yes. So long as you're permitted, and it's the right time of year to shoot moose. Thank you, Pastor Jim. <laughs> Thou shalt not, shalt not commit adultery. Adultery is a married person. These are non-negotiable. Some of you are like, Pastor, you're like, I'm like, I like do all three of those. I'm doing actively three of them every day. Okay, <laughs> you need to repent. So I'm not convicted. Well, you need your convictor's broken. What do you mean? Just because you don't feel bad about it? Dude, is that the rule now? You know, when I smoke crack, I'm really not convicted. I got news for you. Smoking crack is not good. It's wrong. Getting intoxicated is wrong. Ten, mo ten months clean and sober. Come on, somebody. Hey! Is that all right that I celebra celebrate that? It's a great, great victory. Can I brag on you some more? And she says to me at the beginning of service, she shows me her 10-month coin. I'm like, ah, right. And she says, that's because you told me there's no high like the most high. And you're absolutely right. I said, oh. <laughs> ah. Adultery. Adultery is when a married person sleeps with another person. So what's fornication then? I don't know what fornication is, but fornication, fornication is when two people that are not married. No, if you're married, it's adultery, period. Fornication is when you're not married and you have sex outside of the covenant of marriage. Yeah. 
thou shalt not commit adultery. But I would go on to say that Jesus said, if you look upon a woman or a man to lust after him or her, her or him, you've already committed adultery. So that would, that's a hard adultery. And uh, people like this, so let's do it again. And I, I enjoyed it as well. Pastor Karen. Okay, so if I'm going to hug my wife, I will hug my wife. This is, this is me hugging my wife. You'll notice it is a full body contact. Does everybody understand Thank that? Thank you for pointing that out. Come on, come on, Mike. Come on, come on. Don't be shy. Okay, this is me hugging my Our, our thighs are touching. Hey. Come on in, come on in. It's all right. It's like, I, I have a ring right there. Okay. I'm back. Okay, okay. Some of you are like turning, you're turning red. Look at that. Okay. Okay, so this is a husband. It's a husband-wife hug. Okay. It was a number of years ago. I came in and there was a youth. Young, strapping young lad, probably junior in high school. And he just was so warm and friendly. But nobody ever taught him that this is not how you hug someone you're not married to. He didn't touch so, me. Well, I'm, I'm so glad. So he, 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 was greeting, he was greeting all the ladies. Hey, it's good to see you. Hey, welcome to youth group. You know, and then he'd go on to greet somebody else. I said, hey, dude, keep your body to yourself. And so we taught him. That's a side hug. Like yes, yeah, side hug. A-frame. Okay. And all of the fathers, all of the fathers said, Amen. What are we talking about? Ten Commandments. Non Everybody say non-negotiable. This needs to be restored in America. Thou shalt not bear false witness against a neighbor. Like on Facebook. On what do you call it? Instasuck or whatever it's called. <laughs> Thou shalt not covet. What you laughing at? <laughs> Should I say that again? Some of you didn't catch it. There's a new social media platform. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let's move on. I think it's called you Twitter Face. It's called something like that. YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You Twitter Face. All right, that was John Bossman's joke. It's not mine, so if you didn't like it, then there you go. We have to have non-negotiables. We have, to, we have to move to that point. The, the First Amendment is a non-negotiable. The right to bear arms, the right to peaceably gather. You know what's insane all across America is, is outbreaks of lawlessness. In Seattle, you've heard the chop zone has gotten chopped. It's being broken down tomorrow, apparently, or today. But here, here's what some of you don't realize. They say, we're defunding the police. 
defund the police, defund the police. We're, and what are you going to do? How are you going to keep it? The reason we need government. We need laws. Why? Because of the sinfulness of mankind and because of evil. That's why. Defund the police. So here's what, this is, this is for real. I, I just read this. They want to defund the police and they're going to hire security companies. You honestly think that the security company is not going to have the same problems or challenges. They're going to have the same ones. Why? Because it's made of humans. Do we need to... We need a cleansing and a revamping and retraining? I'd say absolutely, sure. You do. You need it. I'm sure the police need it. We all need it. America's got to return to the foundations which this country was formed. And they have to become non-negotiables. I, I can't vote for same-sex marriage. I can't. I won't. I can't vote against abortion. Are you against abortion? Every day of the week and twice on Sundays, yes. Are you actually talking about political things in church? I didn't even get started. Actually, I'm just, just starting to get started. And if I keep talking about it, Pastor Karen, she stops glaring at me, then the governor will be off, and then we'll really be in trouble. Somebody got to say something. Somebody has to do something. Somebody has to stand up and declare what's right and what's wrong. Somebody has to. You can vote. You can vote on speed limits. You can't vote on 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 killing babies. You can you can vote on on things that we might seem or argue what's right or wrong. But if it's in God's word, it's right. It's not. It's not an ambiguous blend. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. All right, sit down. I'm almost done. Know what your convictions are. Write them out. He said, with the Ten Commandments. Okay. I'm a conviction about going to church. I told you. And my, you, if you live in my house, you go to church. My kids leave and they make their own convictions of their own home. But like I said, if they don't follow the biblical principles, mom will be over. Think about the pressure these Rechabites were had. Invited to the temple in a special room with all the men of God. I know there's pressure in the world. I understand that. But if you'll stand for what's right, then you'll get elevated. Daniel had pressure to eat from the king's table. The king's, just, just one table. King's table. Look at this with me. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home into his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times. Jews would pray twice a day, but not Daniel. Daniel prayed three times. So the law was, you don't pray. Prayer was ended by the decree of the king. But he had a non-negotiable. I don't care what you do to me, I'm not going to stop praying. He prayed three times a day, as was his custom. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, same thing. We're not going to bow down to you. We're not going to take the mark. And if it means you kill us, oh well. It was non-negotiable. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, in the fire you must go. Burn, said the king. Wish I could remember the rest of that song written by Dr. Morocco. Something like that. 
Fourth man showed up. Listen, if you'll do the right thing, if you'll do the right thing, God will elevate you. It might not be popular. There's all kinds of pressure. And please don't hear me wrong. I'm not talking about drinking wine. I'm talking about anything that pulls you off of your biblical mandate, a a life of conviction. I I don't ride in elevators by myself with another woman unless it's my wife or my daughter. So if I'm standing there and somebody goes to get on, single lady, I don't care if she is married, and it's just me, and she gets on, I'm walking off. And then I'll wait for another one. And if it opens up and there's a lady there, I'm waiting for another one. Why? Because I'm not going to be confined to a room where I could possibly be accused. That's why you'll never read them. I have a non-negotiable. I don't ride with women in my car by myself. You'll never hear them. Whoa. You heard pastor trying to sell her riding with uh, Sister Floozy. No, you didn't, because I, I don't do that. Go to 1 Peter. I'm almost done. 1 Peter 4. Verse 1. I'm, I'm landing the plane. Here I go. I'm on approach. 1 Peter 4. Therefore, verse 1. Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves. Do what? That's a military term. Arm yourself with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Wow. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for, earth, for evil human desires. This is how you know that actually someone's saved. They're done with sin. I don't mean they're not... They're fighting against it. They don't live a lifestyle of it. First John talks about that. If somebody, if somebody continues to practice sin, but they say they're born again, they're not. That's the acid test. Are you guys getting encouraged? All right, I'm almost done. Obey evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you must have spent, for you have spent enough time, pardon me, in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies. You know what that is? Okay. Carousing and detestable idolatry. You've spent enough time doing that, says First Peter. It's enough. Peter said it. It's enough. Come on, someone say Peter said it. Yeah, by the, by the Holy Ghost. They're surprised that you don't join in with them in their recklessness, their wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But, verse 5, they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Set in your home, set in your life, non-negotiable. Set things that you do and set things that you don't do. Set things that you'll receive from other people and set things that you will not receive from other people. We have an agreement in my marriage. I, I said this in the first service, but I skipped over it. I don't tell other women that they look pretty or they, you know, they have a new hairstyle. Or, you know, oh, you look, gosh, you look beautiful today. Yeah, I'll say that to my mother. And by the way, you look beautiful today. That's not an illustration, actually. I mean beautiful mother. I'll say that to my wife. You look beautiful today. Okay, I'm not saying it to somebody else's wife. 
you come to try to love on my wife or tell her how beautiful she is, I won't even have to come and punch your throat because she's a black belt in Taekwondo. She'll punch your throat herself. I'm just, yeah, I know. She looks so sweet. There's another side. Would you take kindly to that? Somebody started loving on your wife. You think they'd have a problem with sweet, would you? Huh? Definitely. Uh-huh. Tiff Shuttlesworth's going to be with us in July. We were sitting in the living room. We were talking. Somebody was talking about a bunch of men of God. They were talking about how somebody was doing something to his wife, and he he wears he wears boots. You know, like roping boots, cowboy boots. He said. I'd kick him so hard he'd be tasting my boot in the back of his mouth. That's, that's pretty hard. That's kicking somebody pretty hard. <laughs> Let's move on. Live by your convictions and God will elevate you. A couple more scriptures. Revelation 2. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 7. He who overcomes. You got to overcome. I'll give the tree to eat from the tree of the knowledge. Pardon me, I'll give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the middle of the paradise of God. Revelation 2, 11, he has ears to hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Being a person of conviction, a person who has non-negotiables, will receive a reward. Or should I say rewards? And whatever think you, whatever you think you're going to get out of this life by bending the rules or coveting, fornicating, or drinking. The reward of heaven far, far exceeds that. Don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Have non-negotiables in your family. We need them in our nation. We need, we need mayors like you, Mayor Edmund. We need, we need judges. We need, we need lawyers. We need doctors. We need people that have non-negotiables that can't be paid off, can't be bought. Corruption's got to be driven out, and the only way that'll happen is by people having non-negotiables, and it's in their private life first. I've had politicians say that, don't look at my private life, look at my public life and my voting record. <laughs> Your private life will soon be public. I, I, I've got I've to end. Did you get something today? My, my, my. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place and ask God to help you. Lord, forgive us for where we have failed to stand upon your word, where we've crumbled perhaps by the pressure, all the pressure that was on the Rechabites, yet they didn't, they didn't crumble. That we would be a people that have non-negotiables based upon the Ten Commandments and a life that embraces the works of Christ. That we would live lives like, like Jesus did. The Apostle Paul, so concerned in the epistles, writing over and over, trying to get them to live a life like he was. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. I ask you this in closing. If people were to come to the Lord and follow the way that you live, how would that end up for them? How would it, how would it end up for them? Do you have compromise? Would you make another compromise, Christian? 
You know, we have a lot of sermonettes making Christianettes, and that's one of the reasons I think we've got a big problem in America. But I do believe that that's changing. I believe that, that God, there's a fire-baptized, Holy Spirit-filled, preaching, teaching people that are coming together like joint to joint and bone to bone. And the breath of God is coming back in the church. I believe that we're entering into the greatest revival we have ever seen. Why? Because there's a people that are going to believe God's Word. It says in Romans about Abraham, he believed God. He was fully persuaded that though his body was dead, and his wife was past age, that God would fulfill and perform the word that he would have an Isaac. Fully persuaded. Be fully persuaded about the things of the word. Don't be a wishy-washy, you know, spineless jellyfish of a Christian. Grow a spine. Have non-negotiables. And if people don't like it, they can stick it. And your reward, whatever that means, the reward is with him if you obey God. He'll reward you and he'll turn our nation around. The healing of America, we need people with non-negotiables. From the White House to every house. How does that start? It starts with you changing your life, your family. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. If you're right, not right with God, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, or you want to make a recommitment because you drifted away. You want to receive Jesus. You want to be born again. You want heaven to be your home. You say, that's me, Pastor. And won't you pray and receive Jesus today? Again, for the first time, or a recommitment because you drifted, or thirdly, because you're just not sure and you want to be sure. All across this place, that's me. On the count of three, would you slip your hand up? One, two, three. Do it now. God bless you. God bless you. Raise your hand high. You want to give your life back to Christ or for the first time? You want to give your life to Jesus? You want heaven in your home? Lift your hand. Do it now. Do it now. I see that hand. I acknowledge that. God bless you, son. God bless you all the way in the back. God bless you. God bless you. Would you stand up on your feet all across this place and pray with me right out loud? Don't miss tonight. I'll be closing the service right after this tonight, 6 o'clock. going to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. It's going to be an amazing service. Receive Jesus now. Won't you pray this all together? Those online, pray with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would touch, you'd bless, you would fill each and every one. And we make a decision today to be a people that can't be purchased. We're not for sale. I want you to say that. I am not for sale. Say it again. I am not for sale. We'll be a people of conviction, a people who have non-negotiables, cannot be negotiated about the things of your word. We will not change because you don't change. In him, there is no shadow of turning. You're the father of heavenly lights. God, we thank you and we praise you. Now bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. And I ask God that these 10 commandments would be emblazoned on our hearts and in our children, that we would be a people that live by the word of God. Building a moral warehouse, discipling, being committed to the church, being committed to discipleship walking and living, following Christ with all our hearts so that others, if they follow us,
will end up receiving the, the admonition, the reward. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We're living for another age, God. I turn America around. Heal America. Heal America. We take authority over darkness and every assignment of wickedness in the name of Jesus. And we decree today that a great outpouring is upon us. We proclaim today the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of God unto salvation. We proclaim today healing for the brokenhearted, recovery of sight to the blind, that prison doors are open, addicted ones, those that are bound by pornography. Be free, depression, be loose in Jesus' name. You'd raise up an army of healing technicians, people that can't be bought because they already have been by the blood of Jesus. We give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together for God. May the Lord bless you, cause His face to shine upon you, lift up His countenance towards you, be gracious to you, keep you, and give you peace. We'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock. It's going to be a powerful service. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.